Well, good morning, everyone. Are you enjoying your new chairs? Yes. I hear they're, they're a little bit more firm than the old ones. <laughs> Remember, we have 15 years to break the other ones in, okay? But I would like to invite all of our parents and grandparents in the room. If you'd like to bring your children up to run across them for the next few weeks, that might help us break them in a little faster. But... All summer long, we have been rediscovering together a practice, a practice that, that many people might say, like, really isn't all that spiritual at all. It is a practice that some people might scratch their heads and say, like, what does that have to do with church and following Jesus? It is the practice of play. The practice of, of doing things just for the enjoyment of it, not at all for the goal of achievement. And in all actuality, while you wouldn't necessarily, you know, just naturally put in the list of spiritual practices like reading scripture, solitude, um, prayer, uh, meditation, wouldn't just naturally think to put play in there. The truth of the matter is the practice of play goes back to the very beginning of time itself when God himself modeled it for us. If you'll remember from the beginning of the summer, we, we remember this together. We went back to the beginning of our story when God worked for six days, creating everything in the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And then what did he do on the seventh day? He rested, right? In other words, God kind of kicked his feet up and sat back and enjoyed everything that he made. He pressed play. And in doing so, what God did was, was build this need into the very fabric of creation, this need for both work and leisure. We need play. As human beings, when we engage in, in play, it's not us just stepping away from more important things, but rather when we play, what we are doing is tapping into to something that God built into us that enlivens us and energizes us. Remember, that's why we call play recreation, recreation, because that's what it does. It brings us new life. It recreates us and our world. And so all summer long, we have been challenging you to have some serious fun, right? We've been talking about all these different ways that we can play, from storytelling and, and taking some time in stillness and, and simplicity. We've talked about humor and hobbies and celebrating holy days. And all along the way, we've encouraged you to teach one another what it looks like to play. And so today we're going to stop and celebrate the many ways that you have done that. Uh, we did challenge you at the beginning of the summer as you went out to play to take Adam and I along with you, your flat pastures and shirts that, how are we going to describe the shirts that we had on? I couldn't come up. Say by the, they look like Saved by the Bell. They're kind of loud. Throwback shirts. You'll see them in the video in a moment. Um, and, and I just want to say thank you for taking us along to play. Let's take this moment now to celebrate together. Donna and Kim had asked me to step in that evening uh, when we were going to be telling the Bible story of Peter walking on water with Jesus. So I come in, I had a nice cardboard sign. She called me up, I, I came up there on the stage and we reenacted that great Bible story of Peter walking towards Jesus, losing his sight, 
sinking and then realizing that he needed to keep his faith and his eyes on Jesus, just like we all do. I've heard since that it has had great reviews, Oscar buzz, actually, and uh, now everybody around the Kids Zone Corner calls me Peter. And welcome back to the uh, Stuff the Bus Live event here at Crossroads IGA on Scotts Road. I am Chad Hunt. I'm a board member with Stuff the Bus and also a member of Broadway United Methodist Church. And we have Megan Johnston with us also from on staff with Broadway United Methodist Church. I decided that our families needed to participate in bringing in school supplies to support Stuff the Bus. And so I came up with this idea that we should do a scavenger hunt. Now, 
you saw some pretty cool places there that we got to go and some pretty cool things we got to do. I have to tell you, though, as far as like the pastors pressing play, there are two great adventures that I got to take that are not pictured there. The first is that I got to go on my first cruise with the Harris family who come to 1030. It was very nice. It was even a Disney cruise. But uh, unfortunately, once they got me on the cruise, they never remembered to take me out of the suitcase. So the only thing I saw of the entire ship was the underneath of the bed. Um, the other great adventure that I got to take is, um, Jim Greenwood, your mom told me this story. Evidently, Jim had great plans to take me somewhere. I don't know where, cause she says she's, you might still take me is what I've heard. And he'd even like put me on a string for the occasion. But while he was away, his Roomba, you know, those little vacuum cleaners, I uh, decided to take me for a ride. And so I went all around this house until eventually, um, I was eaten tragically, uh, as a part of it. <laughs> so thank you guys for playing along. I've had a lot of fun seeing all the places we've gotten to go. But today we are going to wrap up this series with one more press play practice. And yet again, it's going to be a practice that you might at first say like, what does that have to do with following Jesus? But this is indeed a spiritual practice, an essential spiritual practice for us to to experience full and abundant life, not just someday when this life is over, right? Not just someday when we die, but here and now in the present. And it is the practice of honoring our bodies. Now let's talk about our bodies a little bit. Let's just up front uh, kind of confess that we tend to have a complicated relationship with our bodies. We need our bodies, right? In order to exist. But at the same time, if each of us gets honest, most of us are a little dissatisfied with our body in one way or another. You know, some of us, they wish that they were a little bit taller, like me, right? Like you guys, I was this height in the fifth grade. I thought I was on my way to the WNBA, right? And I have not grown even the tiniest bit since then. My dreams were shattered. Some of us wish that we were perhaps a little bit smaller, Some of us wish that we were a little faster or fitter. Some of us hate um, the, the shape of our nose or the size of our ears or the width of our eyebrows. Of course, you know, our culture is constantly telling us, sometimes conflicting ideas, about what the ideal body looks like, right? And that's not just for women. The same is true for men. But then on top of all of that, we we have this reality that sometimes our bodies, they kind of get in the way. They get in the way of us doing all the things. They limit us in some ways. You know, like with these these simple uh, little nuisances, like, you know what? We have to slow down sometimes and eat and sleep. How crazy, right? But at times that gets in the way for us. But then there's also sickness and pain and injury and the changes that come to our bodies with age. It seems that there are plenty of reasons for us to loathe, not love, these bodies of ours. And if I'm honest, across the ages, the church and many different streams of of Christian tradition they have, have done nothing but kind of encourage this loathing of our bodies. They haven't helped us to, to love our bodies one bit. Um, growing up in the church, the message that I heard about my body was, was this. It, it was that my body was kind of unimportant. 
that my body was supposed to be ignored. In fact, that it was kind of sinful, you know, kind of vain and conceited and misguided for me to worry about my body at all. There were verses thrown out like 2 Corinthians chapter 4.18 that says that we focus not on what is seen, like our bodies, right? But what is unseen. For what is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. But you guys, if you go home and you read the rest of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you're going to see that that is a gross misuse of that passage. Then, of course, there's all of the past, uh, all of um, the Apostle Paul's talk about the, the flesh versus the spirit. And oftentimes when I heard that talked about, what it kind of got boiled down to is that your body equals the flesh and the flesh is bad and it should not be trusted. Only the spirit is good. So only focus on that. But side note, the word that Paul uses over and over again to talk about flesh is not the same word to describe our our earthly bodies at all. It's talking about our human nature and and our tendency to, to lean towards sin. But then add on top of that all the texts that talk about Christians suffering for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom of God. And you can kind of sum up my understanding of my body from the church as being this, that I wasn't supposed to focus on it or pay attention to it, that it was bad and that I should absolutely push it to its limits, ignore hunger and thirst, ignore sickness and exhaustion for the sake of God. And so... You know, not only did I grow up kind of having a sense of shame uh, that many of us have about our bodies because we wish it were different in some kind of way, but I had shame on top of shame because what the church was telling me is that I shouldn't even be thinking about that. I shouldn't be worrying about that at all. Maybe you've heard similar messages about your body from the church, or maybe you haven't heard the church talk about your body at all, making it kind of hard for you to have any idea how in the world you're supposed to relate to it. But let me ask you something. How's that going for us? Let me put some statistics out there, okay? 84% of us are stressed out on a weekly basis which is causing depression and anxiety and high blood pressure and and heart disease to be on the rise. One in three of us, we're we're not getting adequate sleep um, so that we can function well. Around half of us are not getting enough lean protein and vegetables and fruits and whole grains to sustain our lives. And only about 23% of us are getting enough exercise for optimal health. The list could go on and on and all, but, but we are not thriving, y'all, right? Loathing and ignoring our bodies is leading us nowhere good. And so today, I, I want to help us kind of shift our perspective a little bit. And it starts by us kind of like going back once again to the very beginning of the story, whenever God created these bodies of ours. There in Genesis 2, we discover that first of all, our bodies are a gift from God. I think it's significant, you know, like if you go back and you start reading the account of how God created the world and everything in it, it talks about how God does this in this very poetic way, how he's able to just speak everything into being. Can you imagine that power? Just speak it and it happens. But whenever it gets to the account of how our bodies were made, it changes. It's not just God speaking and boom, we have our bodies like everything else. No, it describes how, how God himself like gets down 
and how he gets his hands dirty and he invests something of himself in us. This is what it says. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Our bodies were handcrafted with infinite intention. And and our bodies were enlivened by the face-to-face intimacy of a kiss. Our bodies are a gift from God through which we get to journey through this life with him. If we fast forward to the New Testament, we discover that Jesus, God himself, came to earth in a body, right? And then the Apostle Paul reminds us that through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus in this body, we have now become, our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit, As frail and fragile as our bodies might be, our bodies are not intrinsically bad. They are this gift from God. And so let me ask you a question. How would, how might your relationship with your body change if you began to see your body that way as the gift that it is? Our bodies are a gift from God, but they also do something else. And God designed them to do this. They give us information. This past week is what um, some people might call, uh, for me, a brutal week. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, It was both beautiful and brutal at the same time. It was beautiful because, like, if you look around, you see all this artwork. We did something we never done before with our kids. This place was packed, and there was paint and paper and, and pencils and all kinds of stuff everywhere. Right, Esther? It was organized chaos, but we had a great time. That definitely goes in the beautiful column, right? But at the same time, this week was brutal in some ways. You know, things are ramping back up. There's school supplies to be bought, clothes to be organized, places to go, things to get done all before school starts. And then on top of that, this past week marked the passing of of my dear friend, many of your dear friend, Megan, um, three years ago. But I was fine, y'all. I was fine. If you would have asked me, that's what I would have said to you. I'm fine, right? Despite the fact that I wasn't sleeping well or eating good food, And despite the fact that um, I wasn't that pleasant to be around when I was around my family, I don't need an amen, okay? I know it was true. (laughs) He wisely zips his lip. But yeah, I I was fine, you guys. I was not stressed out. I was not sad one bit. But when I finally, like, slowed down long enough on Wednesday to, like, take a couple deep breaths, that's when I felt it. I had this huge knot, like, right here in my shoulder, And when I slow down enough, that's my telltale sign. Do you all have a telltale sign? Do you have like a place in your body where you hold stress if you'll just pay attention to it? That's that's how it works. You know, our bodies will often tell us that we are feeling something before our minds will let us even recognize it. God designed this to to happen if we will slow down and notice. Um, It'll tell us when we're anxious, even when we desperately don't want to admit it. It will tell us when we are hungry and thirsty. It will tell us when we are full. It will tell us when we're tired and we need to rest. It will tell us when we are feeling sluggish and we need to move around a bit. But unfortunately, we've been told to ignore our bodies for so long and just deny whatever it might be saying to us that many of us have no idea how to listen to it. 
But the good news is God has given us this very simple system built into our bodies that can help us reconnect our mind and our body and our spirit. And it's as simple as taking a deep breath. When you and I take a deep breath in and back out again, it starts to calm our nerves and it raises our attention so that we can notice. It helps us to to begin to see like what is going on in my body? You know, is my body trying to, to point something out? Am I carrying around anxiety or grief or disappointment that I'm trying not to notice? And so let me ask you again, what might your body say if you took time to listen to it today. Our minds might try to talk us into like just keeping on pushing, you know. It might try to to tell us that we just need to walk it off. It might tell us to carry on with business as usual, but our bodies, they aren't so easily fooled. Our bodies give us information. And then lastly, our, our bodies help us get in touch with God. In the Bible, as you're reading along, you might have noticed that there's oftentimes these descriptions of people coming before God and kneeling down or bowing down or even lying out flat, right? There's times where it's described of people lifting their hands in worship. Why? Why would we do that, right? Because it's a way of bringing not just our spirit, but our full selves before God. It's a way for our outward posture to reflect our inward posture toward him. Um, Many of you guys, if you've been around here a while, know that I love to pray with my hands. Uh, I have you all do it from time to time. And there's a reason for that. It's because for me, it's a way of bringing my full self before God. It's a way of of, um, staying more focused and present, you know, turning your hands up in order to listen and receive from God, turning them down in order to release things to him. Um, It's just a, a way of involving my whole body so that I can stay focused and engaged But one of my other favorite ways to talk to God is by going for a walk or going out for a run. Um, I can like wake up and be like in knots about something, be totally stressed out and then go out for a run and uh, pound it on the pavement, tell God exactly what I think about it because God can handle it. And then by the time I get home, like walk in the door and be like, what was I so upset about again? (laughs) And that's because, again, God designed our bodies for these amazing things to happen when we exercise. These endorphins, these magical things are released in us as we do do physical activity that improves our mood and soothes our emotions and brings down our pain. Our bodies, they they can help um, calm us so that we're able to connect with God and bring before him what we so desperately need him for, to know so that we can receive his healing grace. Our bodies, they are a gift from God. They give us information and they can help us connect with God. And so what if I told you today that perhaps the most holy, most spiritual thing that you could do today might be to go home and take a good nap? Or it might be for you to go home and... and uh, and, uh-oh, I'm not going to stir anything up between couples. 
Whenever your spouse says it's a convenient time for you to do so. No. Um, <laughs> it might be that the most holy spiritual thing you can do is sit down and eat a, a meal that nourishes you. It might be that the most holy and spiritual thing that you can do is go out for a walk or run or lift some weights, whatever it is that helps you move your body. You wouldn't normally probably label those things as spiritual, but oh, they are when we honor our bodies and we meet their needs, we're honoring the God who made them. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we're told the story of the prophet Elijah, or one of the stories of the prophet Elijah's. Um, Elijah, he has been busy doing all kinds of things, all kinds of holy and spiritual things. In fact, he's just had this big showdown on Mount Carmel where he's doused a sacrifice in all this water and prayed and called down fire from heaven to consume it. All while at the same time, you know, um, kind of shutting down the prophets of Baal who are trying to say that our God was not the true God, although their God just never answered them. I love what Elijah kind of says in the midst of that. He's like, hey, you guys, you prophets of Baal, you just keep calling for your God. Maybe he's on vacation or maybe he's like deep in thought. Um, and he kind of pokes fun at them. But in the end, Elijah, Elijah he just really shows them up. And the queen at the time is none too pleased with this. She doesn't like how, she, how he has elevated our God and put her God to shame. And so she sends out people to put him to death. She tells them that they are coming for him. And so he takes off running for his life until he finally cannot run anymore. He just collapses underneath a tree. And maybe you know what that might feel like to just collapse somewhere at times. But in the midst of that, God sent an angel to him. And we might expect for the angel to come to Elijah and say, Hey, Elijah, get up and walk it off. We might expect him to come to Elijah and say, Hey, you know what? You need to stop being so weak and get up and keep working on these more spiritual things for God. He might, we might expect him to tell him that he needs to ignore his body and do more holy things with his time. But do you know what God did through that angel instead? Instead, what he did is he, he woke Elijah up and he fed him. He met his, spiritual, his, he met his physical needs. He gave him bread to eat and water to drink. And then do you know what he did after that? He let him go back to sleep. He said, take a good nap. And then he woke him up again and he fed his body again. Why? Because he says that he knew that Elijah would need that for his journey ahead with God. What about you? What do you need for your journey ahead with God? I want to invite us to, to just take a moment to, to get in touch with that today. And so if you're willing, um, I'd like to invite you to just close your eyes for just a moment. And to take a couple of deep breaths in and back out again. So deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and back out again. And I want you to picture yourself now as if you were Elijah 
curled up underneath that tree. I want you to take a moment and notice what's going on in your body. Are there places that are telling you that you're stressed or anxious? Do you feel downright exhausted? Are you hungry or sluggish? What's your body trying to tell you today? First King says, all of a sudden, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Imagine the angel touching you today. What does the angel say? How is God inviting you to honor the body that he made? Lord God, you have invited us to journey through this life with you and these bodies that you have made. Help us, God, not to disregard them. Help us not to take them for granted. Help us not to use and abuse them, but help us to nourish them and appreciate them, to care for them and enjoy them as the gift that they are. We pray this in the name of Jesus who came in a body to share this journey of life with us. Amen.